So we started this sermon series reflecting with Thomas, who was honest about his doubts, and he was holding out for what? A Sunday kind of love, to use Etta Jane's jazz classic, a love that would meet him in those doubts and say, peace be with you. And we heard how Jesus had met the disciples, especially Peter, as they faced their guilt and shame for abandoning him and found freedom. We heard that Jesus meets us in our weariness because he is the good shepherd and there is no better description than Psalm 23, what that means. And then last week we heard from Mike Dernan about how Jesus meets us when we're faced with change and new things. How are you encountering Jesus this Easter season? How are you holding out for a Sunday kind of love that will meet you exactly where you are with exactly what you need? And so we come to our next topic, encountering Jesus in relationships. Now you may have noticed something if you've watched the news at all. Relationships are pretty messed up right now. That's the understatement, right? The understatement of all of human history. They're broken all ways, through all time and space, with that one fateful choice that we hear about in the garden, the choice to go against God's commandment, to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that action cracked the world between God and humans, between each of us, human communities, nations, between creation and humanity, as we stepped outside of our role, shirked our responsibility to steward and tend this beautiful creation, and even cracked within ourselves our relationship with ourselves. But it wasn't always like this. Right before that, we hear that Scripture says, God said, it is good, and humanity, it is very good. And God walked with a few, the first humans in the garden in peace and love and intimacy. And so what does that mean, that God meets us in the brokenness of our relationships, right where we are, with exactly what we need? All of our scriptures today, and there were two additional ones that you didn't hear from this morning, but I encourage you to look at the lectionary texts. This morning we heard uh, from the book of Acts and from the psalm, we found that God was sending Paul to a small group of women in Philippi, not even Jews, breaking all these cultural barriers to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And then in our song, we hear God celebrated for his love for all creation. And then in our gospel reading this evening, we hear that Jesus gives a promise that he and the Father will come and live not just with us, Jesus has done that, but live in us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And finally, in our Revelation passage, our scripture casts a vision for both our present 
and our future in Jesus Christ. In our present, God's care in the midst of our circumstances. And then in our future, the full experience that God promises, symbolized by the tree of life with leaves for the healing of all the broken relationships of the human community. Now, this painting is actually made to be touched so I'm going to encourage you, have you ever wanted in a museum, you know, to actually touch the texture of sculptures? I, I might be weird. But, and of course, I reach my hand out, and the alarms go off, and they cart me out of the museum. Um, but this one is made to be touched, the roughness of the wood, and the, 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 the 12 fruits, and then the water. There's actually crushed garnet stones that make the, the uh, Bark feel like bark. So I encourage you uh, afterwards to touch the picture. All of our passages talk about relationships and talk about God's action in these relationships. Relationships are difficult. And again, that's an understatement. And not the least of which, it's due to the complexity of human language, human communication. How many of you have heard that often tossed around figure 90% of communication is nonverbal? How many of you have heard something along that line? Okay. Okay. How many of you think that that seems pretty accurate? Yes. Yeah? I'm not getting some, maybe. Okay, yeah, I'm stacking the deck here just a bit. Actually, that's not accurate because there's, you know what we do with figures is we often take what the, the, the scientists have been saying and then it kind of comes to popular culture and we lose a lot of context when we hear these, these little factoids. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something with you, okay? So... I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to have you tell me what I'm communicating. That's so interesting. What am I communicating? Excitement. Okay. What else? Excitement. Passion. Okay. Yep. Am I happy about what I'm learning? Okay. There's something that I've just discovered. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Yeah, I think I'm a little better at sarcasm. <laughs> yes. Hmm. That's so interesting. Anger? Okay. Yes. I don't know the right word. I'm not happy. No. I'm not happy. Yes, and somebody has, has done something. <laughs> but it doesn't really Right. A whole paragraph of emotional content comes through that, okay? That's so interesting. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I just used the same words, but what changed? Body language. Body language. So what did you see body wise? Your context. Okay? What did I do differently? Different hand motions. Yeah, different hand motions. That's so interesting, Mark. Or you know, body language. I kind of slumped my shoulders on that one. What else did you? What did? What else? 
Inflection of voice. Inflection of voice, yeah. So tone and inflection. Hey, so there was a scientist in the 1960s, and he posited something called the 55-38-7% rule. Okay? Yeah. Okay, he's very precise. Um, and he said that 55% of communication is body language, 38% is tone and inflection, and 7% is verbal communication, which is kind of where we get that 90% is uh -huh. body language. However, it misses what his intention was, which was to say it's not that, that communication is only 7% verbal. It's all really verbal. I mean, there's, there's mm -hmm. information being exchanged. It's the context. As Brooklyn has said, it's the context of our body language, our tone, and inflection that makes the meaning. I am pretty bad at telephone calls. I will just admit that to you. I have always found it difficult for my whole life, even though I have practiced. I was even a receptionist at one time for Macaw Cellular before it became AT&T, and I was on the phone eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. I have never been able to figure out pacing and tone and inflection to really know for sure what's going on with the person on the other end of the line. I mean, unless they're yelling at me or unless they're crying or something like really obvious, it's very difficult because I need those visual cues, the body language. Other people need other things, but I know that is a weakness. And what we've gotten a crash course the last two years on Zoom comes down in 
things like little fires over their heads, all the disciples, I would, that would have been a great day, you know, and the rushing wind blows through, and all of them are gathered in Jerusalem, and the disciples, the mark of this, the mark of this, was they spoke in different languages. It's like God broke through all the communication barriers between all the people that were gathered to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And what is this good news? God came in human flesh to live among us and to share our experience of life. God died and rose again so we could experience life with God forever. God didn't just send words, 7%. God sent a person with a face and a body and a voice so we could hear God's voice, so that we could know God's tone and inflection, so we could see God's expression of love on a body. How much did God love us? His body language, arms open wide on the Roman cross, embracing us in love, embracing us in that sacrifice of love that gathers in the whole of creation. And now, with this promised Holy Spirit, it goes even beyond words, tone, inflection, body language. It's now God living in us, the most intimate form of communication, God's own self given. And it's a foretaste of what Jesus already experienced every day of his life, which was that sense of God's presence that we will have God with us wherever we go and no matter what we face. Now, our Revelation passage paints this final vision of hope. Here's a human city where all are going to be welcomed, all relationships restored, and there's a garden again. The garden is back. First in Genesis and now at the end of all things. The garden is back at the center, and the river of living water is flowing from the throne of God, and you have this tree of life with its healing leaves. In the symbolic tradition of Christianity, the tree of life is Jesus. In Genesis, Jesus was among them in Genesis, in the garden, as the tree of life. And they could eat of the tree of life. And then in Revelation, the tree of life is the life that Jesus offers. And this painting is actually marked as an icon of Jesus with the ICFC, which is Greek abbreviation for Jesus Christ. We're allowed to eat of the tree of life in the first garden, and through the work of Jesus, we now eat of the tree of life every time we come to this table. Every time we receive Jesus in the Eucharist and a foretaste of that future feast. This is a lot of theology and symbology and all of that fun stuff, but I came today to figure out how to deal with my troublesome relationships. And the first act of restoring relationships is always God's action. Always God's action. But what can we do to partner with God in the messiness of broken relationships? 
We live in that now, but not yet hope. We know it's restored, but want to live into that fullness more and more. So here's four practices to partner with God. Four practices. Nothing that you don't already know, but just a reminder. First, pray. That seems so simple, right? Like everybody says, just pray, just pray. Well, the problem with this is that we often just kind of say someone's name and then we move on. But prayer is more than that. Prayer is itself communication with God, talking through with God what is going on with us. Bring all of our relationships, both good and joyful ones and challenging and painful ones to God. I'm going to take you through an exercise. Here's a practical way to do this in a way that might feel a little fuller than just simply going down a list of names. Recall, and you can close your eyes if you want, recall a time when you felt delight or joy or well-being or peace, some sense where you can you feel something. Doesn't have to be with others or with a person or with God, but just the sense that you just felt like things were right in the world. Bring that to mind, remember it, bring up the details of it. Kind of savor that feeling. And now I invite you to imagine person that you love. And I invite you to pray that they would experience this same sense of well-being that you've experienced. Maybe if you're imaginative sort, imagine putting them in their feeling so they're bathing in it or surrounding them with an embrace of that feeling or just asking God, God, give them this feeling that I've had. Take a moment and spend some time praying for them in this way. And I invite you now to end by saying to them, peace be with you. Now, taking that same sense of well-being, that memory, I'd like for you to bring to mind a person that you're struggling with. And this is hard. This is, this is not an easy practice, but bring to mind someone you're struggling with. And do the same thing. Surround them in that sense of well-being. Gift that sense of well-being to them. Ask God to give that sense of well-being to them. And when you're ready, say to them, peace be with you. Now, this might have been hard, and I encourage you, if, if it was like, oh, I, just, I couldn't get into it, go home and practice this this week few times. Work it, give it time. But you might find that it's 
hard because you might have actually found for a split second or maybe even longer, I really don't want them to have a sense of well-being here. I'm kind of mad at them and, you know, are really, really mad at them or really hurt by them. And that's okay because that's the start of being honest with God about where you are with this person. And that's where God meets you is when you're honest. How are you doing with this person? I don't really want them to have well-being. Okay, God can work with that. God can work in that. So bring it to God. The second thing to do is to show up. Relationships require intentional effort. And it's going to take a lot of effort to communicate well day in and day out. We know this in our relationships. In our closest relationships, we know both how much work it is and how easily it can break down. Jesus continually shows up to the disciples, even after they abandon him. Continually. God continually shows up throughout salvation history, no matter how many times the Israelites abandon God. God keeps showing up. So God is showing us, modeling to us, what we are also called to do. Now, what this does also encourage is that we need to know what it means for us to bring our best self to these relationships. Not just the dredge, the dregs of it, but the best self that we can bring, especially to our love relationships that are closest to us. So, halt. Halt. H-A-L-T. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If you are one of these things or all of these things, it's very possible you're not going to be able to bring your best self to your relationships. Okay? Because that's going to be hard to engage with them, especially one that you're challenged by. So taking a step back and thinking about self-care, what would help you to not be hungry, angry, lonely, tired when you're engaging with this particular person? I know that it's better for you all if I get a good night's sleep and I take time for my introvert self. I can be here. I can be priest. I can be friend. I can be mentor. I can be a disciple better when I take care of my physical body and my introvert needs. You need to figure out what you need. Each of us is different. And we also know Two, and I have to say this, that sometimes showing up doesn't mean putting up with abuse. Showing up does not mean putting up with bad behavior. Showing up may mean setting a good, strong boundary. No. And taking care of yourself. And not allowing someone else to do things that are hurtful. So show up. The third thing is to listen. God has listened to God's people for all of human history. And often in scripture it says, God heard the cries of God's people. Now, you may have all heard it before. You might be sitting with someone and you've heard it over and over again. Now, I invite you to listen to them, this person in front of you, as if it's for the very first time. What is this other person trying to communicate? Ask questions. Be curious. 
Focus on them as if they were the only person in the world because in truth, in that moment, precious moments with this person that will never come again, they may be the only person in this world. And finally, four, serve. This is not a grand gesture. This is choosing a small, very small act of love for a person, especially a person that you might very well think of as an enemy right now, but who's someone's one of your near neighbors. A small act of love. As we often say here, liking is optional, love is required. You may not like the person right now, but you can do some small act of love. And in challenging relationships, that small act of love can sometimes crack the hardest of hearts. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the heart that it cracks open is my own, as I'm doing that act of service. So pray, show up, listen, serve. And these are what Jesus has done for the first. These, God has done this for us throughout human history. God is even doing this for us right now. Yes, Jesus is even praying for us right now at the throne of God. So when we pray for others, when we show up and listen and serve, we're just following in Jesus' footsteps. Because maybe, maybe we will be the hands and feet. Maybe we will be the facial expression of God's love. Maybe we will be the tone, the inflection, the body language, and the words to someone communicating that God loves them. Let us do so more and more. Amen. Amen.